0: Welcome. Thank you guys so much for being here. Uh, We're so glad that you could join us. So, you need to turn your Bibles to Luke chapter 5. If you have a Bible or electronic device at home, please turn to Luke chapter 5. Follow along with us. I'm going to put on the timer so I don't kill anybody through a long sermon. And we're going to get into Luke chapter 5, the first 16 verses. As we continue to go verse by verse through the Gospel of Luke. I don't know if there's any wagers yet about how, many, how long it's going to take me to get through Luke. One, one estimate was four years. Another estimate was uh, two. I'm pretty sure I can get done in less than a year. So come on. We can do this. Luke chapter 5. So it's the first 16 verses. So I want to read those verses this morning. And then, then we'll pray and we'll get into it. Luke chapter 5. Starting in verse 1, on one occasion, while the crowd was pressing in on him to hear the word of God, he was standing by the lake of Gennesaret, and he saw two boats by the lake, but the fishermen had gone from them and were washing their nets. And getting into one of the boats, which was Simon's, he asked him to put him out, or put out a, a little from the land, and he sat down and he taught the people from the boat. And when he had finished speaking, he said to Simon, put out your into the deep and let your nets, uh, let down your nets for a catch. And Simon answered, "Master, we've toiled all night and, and took nothing. But at your word, I will let down the nets. And when they had done this, they enclosed a large number of fish. And their nets, uh, and their nets were breaking. And they signaled to their partners in the other boats to come and help them. And when they came and filled both the boats, so that th- they filled both the boats, so that they began to sink. But when Simon Peter saw it, he fell down at Jesus' knees saying, Depart from me, I'm a sinful man, O Lord. For he and all who were with him were astonished at the catch of fish that they had taken. And also were were James and John, the sons of Zebedee, who were partners with Simon. And Jesus said to Simon, Do not be afraid. From now on you will be catching men. And when they had brought their boats to the land, they left everything and followed Him. And Lord, we just pray that as we look at some pretty familiar stories, that we would see what they're meant to show us about You. And Lord, we would believe that You are who You've revealed Yourself to be in Your Word. That we would see this morning, Jesus, that You are willing You want to do good things in and through our lives. Help us to see that, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen. So we talked about last week that the section starting in in chapter 4 all the way through chapter 9 is really one section where Luke wants to talk about the ministry of Jesus and how the ministry of Jesus identifies Jesus as God's chosen king. And so as we begin that section, we, we, we see there's kind of the subsection from right here in verse, or chapter five to uh, about halfway through chapter six, where, where Luke is recording how Jesus gathered his disciples. And he's wanting us to see that this was the priority of Jesus' ministry, that uh, the priority of his ministry was gathering together a new covenant people, a new community of people who would bring forth the, the ministry that God intended to bring forth through his Messiah. And so we're going to look at just the first bit of this, just the kind of the initial calling of just a couple of the disciples, because it's important for us to see what this shows us about Jesus and how he wants to continue his ministry through his people. Remember, don't forget that we don't want to forget that Luke and the book of Acts are really two volumes of the same book in a sense. That this is about how Jesus began and continues his work for his people and through his people. And the thing we really want to see today is the fact that our God, the God who's revealed in Jesus, has absolutely no reluctance in saving people. He wants to save people. So we're going to look at two main things here from these two scenes in this first part of Luke 5. And the first thing is we want to see that Jesus really wants to reveal himself to the masses. So we see in verse 1 that on this occasion, right, the crowds are pressing onto him. His reputation is growing as a great Bible teacher, as a rabbi. They believe he's when he's teaching, he's bringing in the Word of God in a powerful way. And as he's standing there, what happens? He, he, as his crowds press into him, he sees these boats on the shore. He sees the fishermen. They're washing their nets Okay, And so Jesus does something very wise. He gets into the boats. Now it's important for us to recognize that, that they're wanting to press into Him because they think He's teaching the Word of God. The crowd saw that Jesus was bringing the Word of God. And John's Gospel tells us something similar to this, that that there was actually these, the kind of temple police who the religious leaders wanted to arrest Jesus, and when they didn't arrest Him, the officers said to to these police, "Uh, why didn't you do this? And here's what they answered, they said, no one ever spoke like this man. We've never heard anybody who brought forth both the substance and the power in His preaching like Jesus. And it wasn't just that he was this gifted orator. That's not even necessarily the point. The point is, Jesus taught as one has had authority. When he spoke, God was speaking. And people were sensing this, even if they didn't fully understand it theologically. And so as they press into him, what does he do? Does he say, back off? Some space, please. Don't you know who I am? Does he do any of that? No. What does he do? He gets into a boat. You know why? Because when you get into a boat and you go out into the water a little bit, you've got the best acoustics nature has to provide so that everyone can hear what he has to say. He also does it because he's going to provide a great illustration for how he wants to call in, uh, call disciples, gather his disciples together for his work. So he's choosing the best way to communicate with this crowd. And then in verse 4, what happens? In verse 4, we see that as he he does this, when he's finished speaking, and so let's make sure we, we understand the picture here, Simon, as we just read, Simon and his partners in in business, his fishing partners, they had been fishing all night long and they had caught nothing. Now you may not know this, but fishermen in that day... When they fished, they had two types of nets. One type of net was for night fishing. Those were the nets that they used most because at night the fish uh, came closer to the surface of the water. Uh, They they weren't as easily spooked. Things were quieter. And so they would use these certain kind of nets to to fish at night and to bring in as much fish as they possibly could. And as we saw, of course, they got skunked. They didn't get anything. But what happens is that here they are during the day, and if they were going to fish during the day, they would fish with a different type of net from the shore. It would be a different kind of net. So it's important to recognize that Jesus is going to ask them to do something that doesn't make sense. Also, the the thing about fish is, if you're going to fish during the day, you don't stand by the shore and preach for two hours. Because if you're making a lot of loud noise by the shore, you spook the fish and they go away. And so it's really important that we see this is the scene that's going on when Jesus has finished preaching for, for 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 up to maybe two hours we don't know and 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 they're washing they've washed all their nets got them clean for the next night, then what happens? In verse four, Jesus he says to Simon, "Put out into the deep and let your nets uh, let down your nets." Notice for a catch. He doesn't just say just just obey me and throw out your nets. He, he, he says, here's what's going to happen. You throw out your nets for a catch. You're going to catch fish. And so how does Simon respond in verse 5? He says, master, master. Now, the, the word here for master is a respectful term. It's the, it's the term you would use when you wanted to address somebody that was, had a higher position in society than you. So, so as we might say, yes, sir, to somebody. Or uh, in some cultures, you might call a, an older man uncle or auntie, an older woman auntie. It's a, it a term of respect. You have a higher position than, than I do societally. So he's using a respectful term. He's not being disrespectful. But there's also a tone here where he doesn't actually believe that what Jesus says is going to happen is going to happen. Because he, notice what he says. Master, we told all night took, and took nothing, but at your word I will let down your nets. Period. Not, I will let down your nets, let, let down my nets, and we'll get a catch. Okay, okay, Jesus. Good rabbi, mm-hmm. carpenter, I've heard good things too, but we're the fishermen. But okay, okay, we're going to be respectful. We'll do what you say, and we'll let down our nets. And so what happens? We're, we're, here we are, Jesus. We're going to let down the night nets during the day, after you yelled at us for two hours. We're going to do it, because we respect you, right? So he does this in verse 6. And when he has done this, they enclosed such a large number of fish that their nets were breaking. And they had a signal to the partners in their boats, come help us. And they ended up filling both boats, so both boats began to sink. Now this is the thing you need to understand. That Jesus wanted to do something more than Simon expected. So much more. So much more than the the partners uh, with Simon, James and John. And the other partner would have been Andrew, his brother, by the way. So much more than they expected Jesus wanted to do. And so even though they honored him, even though they didn't expect a thing, when they do this, they get in a haul that is so huge, it's actually breaking their valuable nets and potentially sinking their boats. The reason that's important is this. It's not just to show the amount of fish taken in. Because some people preach, hey, this proves that God, when he blesses, he wants to prosper you, and you're supposed to have a lot of things. You know what? God does bless us, and he does prosper us for a lot of things, doesn't he? I think I'm looking around the room, none of us here, uh, all of us here probably enjoyed a really good meal last night in a really comfortable home, okay? He does prosper us. He's good to us. But the point here is something greater than prosperity. It's almost like he's saying, listen, if I bless you, I could bless you to the point that it would actually destroy you. (laughs) It would actually ruin your business. He's saying, you you need to understand something. Uh, if, If I'm the one who's going to prosper you, then this could be something more than you can even handle. And there's a, there's a, a lesson here because remember how the scene started. Jesus wants to preach to the crowds. He wants to let these people, the masses, hear the word of God, and he uses Peter's vessel to get his work done and says, I want, and then shows him with this illustration of the fish, I want to do more than you can expect. So here's what's amazing, though, is how Peter responds, verse 8, and I don't know about you. But this wouldn't have been the way I think I would have initially responded. He doesn't say, Peter doesn't say, Hallelujah, thank you, God. Yes, bills are paid for a month. What does Peter say? Verse 8. Simon Peter saw it. When he saw this happen, he fell down at Jesus' knees saying, Depart from me, I am a sinful man, O Lord. This is a different word than the word master. The word master was, respect, you're in a higher societal position. The word Lord is, you have authority over me. Peter recognizes there's something about this guy. Could this be the Messiah? Have any of you guys watched the series uh, uh, called Chosen, the, the newer series that's come out, Chosen? Anybody seen that? It's a great series. I highly recommend you do it. Even the way they've done it, it's kind of like you pay it forward. You don't, you don't, they ask you to make a donation. You don't have to, and then that way someone else can afford to watch it later on. It's a really great program. And, and there's some, there, obviously it's not, um, it's not the Bible itself, but it's the story of Jesus from the Bible. And they've done a really great job, listen, they've done a really great job of showing the humanity of Jesus. So that you're thinking, this guy's too normal to be the Messiah, and then he does something they're going, oh wait, he is the Messiah. Which is exactly probably how it was. That when Jesus preaches, they're going, this guy's a great rabbi. He's, he's, I never heard a rabbi this good. Nice to wash our nets to. But then when he begins to work, they're going, oh wow. Simon says, you, you're Lord. You're Lord. He sees something here. And in seeing this, the goodness of the God before him, the goodness of the Messiah, God's work through this man, that goodness exposes his own sinfulness. Now, this is actually a very normal thing. This is actually an expected thing. This is what you see happening all throughout the scriptures. I'll give you several examples. Job, you guys all know the Old Testament story of Job. After a horrible season of loss, loss that we can't even imagine, God shows himself, reveals himself to Job, and here's what Job says, I have heard of you by the hearing of the ear, but now my eyes see you, therefore I despise myself and repent in dust and ashes. This was not Job feeling bad, this was Job recognizing he actually was bad, even though God declared him righteous. He still saw his own natural sinfulness when he saw God for who he was. The nation of Israel, after God presents the covenant, uh, and he's him from, uh, as He's redeemed them from Egypt, He presents the covenant. What happens? The Israelites say to Moses, you speak to us and we will listen, but do not let God speak to us lest we die. Because as they heard God speak, and God's goodness through His law was revealed, this, this amazing covenant God had not made with a nation before, they're going, oh man, we are sinful. We need a mediator. Isaiah, the prophet Isaiah. You guys, most of you guys probably know this story, right? Isaiah is called to be a prophet. He prophesies. We have five chapters of him prophesying. And then he gets this vision of God in a temple. And what does he say? Woe is me, for I am lost. For I am a man of unclean lips, and I dwell in the midst of a people of unclean lips. My eyes have seen the king, the Lord of hosts. He sees the goodness of God. And he sees it, and therefore, therefore by it, he sees his own undoneness. In the New Testament, same thing. In the book of Acts, right? The Jewish men that are listening to Peter preach Christ crucified on the day of Pentecost, what happens? After he preaches to them, he even says to them, It's you guys who crucified the Lord whom God rose from the dead. He, cuts, he, he doesn't pull any punches And what it says. It says that now when they heard this, they were cut to the heart, and they said to, the, to Peter and the rest of the apostles, Brothers, what shall we do? There's a desperation in this question. Why? Because when we see God for who He is, we see God the way He's revealed Himself in Jesus. It's not God trying to make us feel bad. It's us seeing ourselves finally for who we are. Sinners desperately needing a Savior. One of the things that that makes Christianity so offensive to people is that when we say that the standard, that God's standard is made known in this person of Jesus, it it tells us none of us are good enough. And that's not very flattering, is it? It's hard for us to take. But please, I want you to understand, don't forget the context of which we're talking about here. Jesus is clearly wanting to reveal himself to the masses. And listen, it's not just so that they feel bad about themselves. That's not his point. He doesn't leave Simon there. What happens in verse? Uh, the rest of verse 10? After Simon says, depart from me, and uh, I'm sorry, uh, where do we leave off? Yes, uh, apart from me, verse 8. It says, for he was there with all uh, who were with him, astonished at the catch of the fish that day. Verse 10, yep. And James and John and and the uh, sons of Zebedee partners with Simon. And it says, and Jesus said to Simon, do not be afraid. From now on, you will be catching men. And when they brought back their boats to the land, they left everything and followed him. Now, you, you have to know that these guys had probably heard of Jesus. They had heard of his miracles. They wondered who they were. But these are pragmatic people. Fishermen are are like, they're like, they're like brickies here, bricklayers. These are practical, hardworking guys trying to make a decent living, working long hours, supporting their families. And yeah, they, they, they think about deep things like who, who God might be, that kind of stuff. But you know what? They're just busy doing life. So that when Jesus confronts them like this, or when Jesus wants to use their boat, they're like, they're cool, yeah, that's fine, you can use their boat. But then when Jesus shows himself, God the Son shows himself to these guys, they think, this is it. Forget about laying bricks anymore. Forget about fishing anymore. This is it. I've got to follow this Jesus. They leave everything. You know what's amazing about this is that when Jesus calls them, he tells them, here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to basically teach you to be fishers of men that they see, listen, they see catching men is worth leaving everything. Now, now here's, here's a reality, okay? Uh, the reality is that, that Jesus doesn't call most of us to leave our vocations. That's not what happens to most of us. But he does call all of us to be fishers of men. All of us. He calls us to use our vocations the, the neighborhoods where we live, the people that we work with, the friends that we meet, all of us, he calls us to use those circumstances to be willing to risk those places and those relationships to be fishers of men. Now, now there's a whole lot that we're going to learn about this as we go through Luke's gospel. So. You know, and we're going to pray into this today. But still, let us get through our heads, right? Jesus says, "This is the call of the disciple." In Mark chapter eight, verse thirty-five, for whoever would save his life will lose it, but who would lose his life for my sake and the gospels will save it. So, so this is not about taking foolish risks, but it is about saying, "Lord, my life's yours. My life's yours. There's there's none greater than you." Jesus wants the masses to hear. You need to understand this. This is why he first thing he does is call disciples. Because what's the last thing he tells the disciples to do in the end of Matthew's gospel? Go and make more disciples. Because he wants everyone to know how good he is, how willing he is to save. Which is why, listen, Luke ties in. He, he sets the order here, which is different than other gospels. Luke says, after the first disciples are called, they have this encounter with The leper. Look at verse 12. In verse 12, it says, While he was in one of the cities, and this is the the idea here, Luke's showing is his disciples are with him, following him. While he, he is in one of the cities, there came a man full of leprosy. Luke is using a strong medical term to describe this man as not just having some potential skin disease, but you can see it. The deformities caused by this skin disease—you can smell it, as the skin is rotting. Uh, you, you, everyone's aware of it. The way he, this man, probably walked uh, with a limp because he's losing digits. This is an extreme case. And this man, full of leprosy, who in that culture should have kept himself away from everybody else, he falls on his face and begs Jesus, verse two: "Lord, I'm sorry." Verse twelve. Lord, if you will, you can make me clean. You can make me clean. And Jesus, verse 13, stretches out his hand and he touches him and says, I will be clean. And immediately the leprosy left him. Now, have you guys ever seen those kind of like, you know, the religious movies, like the Jesus movies where, uh, like, you know, there's the, the old ones, especially like they kind of just, the, the, the leprosy fades away. Ooh, you know what I'm talking about? They didn't have great special effects, but it was still kind of pretty cool for the 1960s, how the, the leprosy would fade away. This is what I actually picture it as. I, 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 can, I can just imagine that, that they see him, and they smell him, and they're like, oh, he's not going to do this. Is he, no, no, he's not going to. I mean, fishermen are used to smelling things, but this is going to be repulsive. And so they're, oh, this can't be. And then when he comes up, Jesus doesn't kind of go, yeah, be clean, and just kind of say the word, which he could do. He'd already been doing miracles for well over a a year by speaking the word and people would be healed. He could have just said, you're healed. Be gone. You know, He doesn't do that. Jesus reaches out and he touches the leper and he says, be healed. Why? His word would have been enough, but with his hand he shows his heart. He shows that the power that he has, the power that Jesus Messiah has is both powerful, and personal. That he's interested in the individuals. You see, in doing this, and, and sort of making him instantly clean, and in, in in, in you, could, you could see and tell that all the leprosy is gone, in doing this, and in touching him in doing this, Jesus cannot be defiled. He's God the Son. But when he hits somebody, he undefiles somebody else. He makes them clean, not just... Healed, but clean, ceremonially clean, so they can have a right relationship with God, and they can have a right relationship with one another. This is why he cleanses. You see, Jesus doesn't just want the masses to, to know who he is. He wants to make people clean. He doesn't want to just expose people's sin so they feel bad about themselves. He, in his goodness, exposes people's sins so he can cleanse those sins away. He wants people to know him. He wants you to know him. He wants you to be clean. I love the fact, too, that this this leper obviously had faith. This man with leprosy had faith that Jesus was able to heal him, but he wasn't sure if he was willing, hence the title for today's message. Jesus is willing. Guys, God wants us to believe Jesus wants us to believe that he indeed wants to reach people. This is part of what it means to be a Jesus follower. Look, I I know from our experience that we've tried to reach out or have conversations and people mock us or they laugh at us or say, well, it's just your culture, it's where you come from. It's not a cultural thing for us, is it? It's a Jesus thing for us. And we want people to know this. And he wants them to know this. He wants them to know this. And so he touches this this leper. And what happens in verse 14? It says that, and he charged him. He commands him, tell no one, but go and show yourself to the priest and make an offering uh, for your cleansing as Moses commanded for proof to them. In other words, he says, listen, I, I don't need you to make me famous. I want you to go to the priest. You do what the, the Word of God tells you to do so you can show to the priests that, uh, that, that you know, you've been cleansed from this leprosy. Now, you, you, need to probably, you need to know that these guys probably did know. The priest would have probably known that there was this leper about. This guy was so bad. They would have known who, where the leper colonies were. If he ever walked out of that colony, they would have recognized who he was. In fact, one of the things that we know from history is that a lot of the religious leaders of this day would pride themselves about how they would stay, keep themselves clean by staying away from lepers. Some of them even bragged about like, I'm so holy, if I see a leper, leper, I throw rocks at him to keep him away from me. Gee, that really sounds like God's love, doesn't it? And they would do this because they were so proving that they were keeping themselves clean. But Jesus says, I want you to go to those people and I want you to prove to them that you've been healed. You tell them, I was leper and now I've been made clean. Here's my offering. I want to be ceremonially clean. I want to come back into fellowship with God's covenant people. Jesus says, I want you to do that. That's the priority. Why? Because Jesus' purpose was revelation and you might even say redemption, not reputation. Hey, make me famous. Now, of course, the guy doesn't pay attention. Like us, uh, we get healed, we get cleansed, and we don't always do what Jesus tells us to do. He does the same thing. And you understand, right? He's so overwhelmed. He's so excited. He wants people to know what happened. And so what happens? It says that in verse 15, but, uh, uh, <clears throat> but now even more, the report about him went abroad and great crowds gathered to hear him and to be healed of their infirmities. Possibly he went, but as he went, people saw and he felt like, I gotta tell these people as I go. The point is, is that, that Jesus wasn't interested in making himself famous. He was interested in showing people who God really is and how they could know him personally. Now, the, the section ends in a way that it's, it's, it might seem like it's just an addition. And we would maybe just, oh, isn't that nice? Jesus prayed and maybe talk about how we need to pray. And we're going to talk about that. But it's really important that we recognize why Luke puts this here. Because Luke says, but he would withdraw to desolate places and pray. In other words, yes, he was getting more famous, but the more crowds would come, he wouldn't just heal everybody. He would break away. He wouldn't just work all the time. He wouldn't just try to serve people all the time. He would break away, and he would seek the Father. This is why. This was his strategy to bring the good news to people, to be the Savior of the world was to go have fellowship with the Father, have loving fellowship, and just then obey whatever the Father told him to do. That was his strategy. It's pretty simple, isn't it? Just, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna to fellowship with my Heavenly Father. I'm going to depend on Him, and whatever He tells me to do, I'm going to do that. And that's the strategy that God's going to use to save the world. Simple. Not complex. It's simple. Simple. I love this because there, there's this, this scene in John chapter 4, remember when Jesus is, is, is sharing with a woman at the well, Samaritan woman, and after he shares the gospel with her and she runs into the village to say, hey, I think this is the Messiah. The disciples come back and they're kind of tripping out because she's talking, he's talking to a woman and you weren't really supposed to do that in that culture. And, and, and so they, they're thinking, oh, he must be dizzy. <laughs> he needs some food or something. So they said, Jesus, you know, Rabbi, please eat. Master, eat. And here's what he says to them in John chapter 4. My food is to do the will of Him who sent me and to accomplish His work. It's amazing how we treat prayer like uh, this is me asking God to get me out of my problems. Or this is me trying to figure out what God wants me to do with my life. Instead of seeing prayer the way Jesus used prayer, which is this is me talking to my Heavenly Father who loves me, who has a plan, who will tell me that plan one day at a time. And most of the time the day was, think about it, for Jesus' life, right? S- since he was, from the age he was aware that, that God the Father was his heavenly Father, who knows how young he was, that he would daily say, Lord, what's your plan for my life? And it was, obey your parents. Then it was, go build this house. Go fix that door. For 30, until he was 30 years old. It was just do this in preparation for you to save the world. Just enjoy me and do what I say. And how do we we access that? How do we do that? Through prayer. It's amazing how we, 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 we pile on ourselves this guilt about prayer. I'm the worst about this. Oh, I didn't pray enough today. I need to pray more. I need to sneak off. If I don't pray for, who was it, I think, was it Luther? Some famous reformer guy who said, if I don't pray three hours a day, the devil certainly gets the victory. That has condemned me my entire Christian experience. No, the, the issue is not how long we're praying, though it's, it's, there's wisdom in setting aside enough time to engage with God. Because anybody who tries to pray knows it's hard. It's hard to concentrate. It's hard to remember what you're doing and who you're talking to. You need some time. But I'll tell you what: the key is us just saying, "Lord, you've brought me into fellowship with you, and I want to know you." And then just do what you say. Do you know the very first prayer I ever prayed was that prayer? Total, not not because I'm great, because that was a, I was a complete heathen, and God got my attention even before I heard the gospel. God got my attention. And I don't know if I was saved yet, but God was doing something there. And he got my attention, and I realized I was a sinner. And when I realized I was a sinner, I prayed for the first time in my life and said, God, I need to know you and do whatever you say. That's a great prayer. Jesus makes us clean so that we can pray the way he prays, and we can partake in this exclusive privilege of seeing God as our Father and partnering with Him to save the world. Why? Because He wants to make people clean. Because He wants everyone to know Him. Now some of you who are listening to this might be thinking, wait a second, John. If He wants everyone to know, why isn't everyone saved? Well, it's a different Bible study. (laughs) But I'll tell you what, before you go down that road and start, start kind of sparring out theologically, you need to see the plain teaching of Scripture here in the life of Jesus and raising up his disciples is, listen, Jesus is willing. He wants people to know who he is. He wants to make people clean. And he's going to do that through us as we simply go before the Father and say, Lord, what would you have me do? Father, so good to know you. We're going to be praying together in a minute. I'm going to encourage you guys to pray, you guys that are here, to pray specifically and, and just in your hearts. And you guys watching online, just take some time as, as you watch this and listen to this to, to, to pray. We, we really want to prepare our hearts for the Lord's table. And, and, and to do so, I think it's, it's vital that we see Jesus' willingness to relate to us. The Father's willingness to relate to us in sending Jesus to us. We need to see this. Communion, which is the word communion, means fellowship. It means co-union, coming together. We need to see the oneness that we can have in relationship with God through Jesus is something that God really wants for us. If we're going to have our hearts right in taking communion and, and joining with Him in that way. And so with that in mind, I want to read to you some scriptures from the epistle of 1 John. This is 1 John chapter 1. And John says, That which we have seen and heard we proclaim to you, so that you too may have fellowship with us. And indeed our fellowship is with the Father and with His Son, Jesus Christ. So John tells us the reason he writes this epistle is so that those who read it would know what it means to have fellowship Fellowship like the apostles had fellowship with the Jesus that they handled and how we can have fellowship together and have fellowship with God the Son and God the Father. Communion is a way that, one of the ways that we do that. He goes on to say, if we say we have no sin, we deceive ourselves, and the truth is not in us. In other words, if we think I don't need that experience that Peter had, I don't need to see myself as a sinner, you're deceiving yourself. but if we confess our sins, God is faithful and just to forgive us our sins, and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. In other words, if we recognize that, yes, God, I agree with you. That's what the word confess means, that I'm a sinner and I need your cleansing afresh. He's faithful. He's, He's happy to do it. He's happy to cleanse us. He's pleased to clean us, make us clean afresh. If we say, well, I don't think I've ever sinned, we actually make God a liar because he says we have, and it's a proof that the truth is not in us. His word's not in us. Now, the, the, the reason I'm, I'm sharing these verses is, again, not to push you guys away from the Lord's table. It's not, to, it's not to keep us from drawing near to God. It's that we might prepare our hearts to draw near to him. See, Jesus doesn't say that you have to cleanse yourself. He does tell us things like cleanse your hearts. But it's not like you've got to figure out, where do I get the cleansing to wash this off? What he's saying is this, listen. He's saying, you come to me, and I will scrub you clean. And when I scrub you clean, we can have fellowship together. So here's what I really want to encourage you guys to do. This is all part of us preparing. So if you have your elements ready, great. Um, uh, we're not going to partake for it. We're going to pray first before you partake. But you can, you can get your cups uh, and your bread ready but I want to take some time while Josh plays some background music for us. I want to take some time for us just to pray. We want to grab hold of God's willingness to make himself known through Jesus and to cleanse his people from fellowship. Communion is a reminder. It is a chance for us to be cleansed afresh. And so one of the things we need to do is maybe be willing to confess. Some of you, some of us, need to confess. We need to ask God to forgive us for not believing that he's willing. I mean, even the leper wasn't sure, but he came to Jesus, Lord, are you willing? He asked. Maybe what we need to confess to God today is our unwillingness to take him at his word, to believe he's as good as he's shown himself to be. Take some time just to, to pray for forgiveness if that's where you're at. Or anything else the Holy Spirit might be showing you, you need to confess a sin. God's willingness is is that we need to be praying for the people that we love, that we want to come to to know Jesus. It's funny, we'll pray for strangers, and I think because we know we'll probably never speak to them again. What about the people that are closest to us that don't know Jesus? Who who does God bring to your mind? Take some time right now to pray for that person, believing God is willing to draw them. Let's pray for those people. you're praying for those people, let's pray that God would send believers their way. That he would send people who love Jesus into their path to encourage them that Jesus is worth loving. That he indeed loves them. Let's pray for that for those people that we love. Let's pray for that for people that we just know. Maybe neighbors that we don't know very well. Let's pray that God, and and co-workers, let's pray that God sends believers in their way. Whoever God puts in your mind, pray specifically for them that God would send believers their way because he's willing. Lastly, let's pray that God would make us fishers of men you know Isaiah when Isaiah had that experience with God and he said Lord I'm a man of unclean lips and dwell among a people of unclean lips God sent an, a, an angel seraphim with a coal to, to cleanse his lips there was this picture that Isaiah could know your, your lips that are, are unclean they're now cleansed and as they were cleansed you know what happened God says who will go for us? Who shall I send? And Isaiah says, here I am, Lord, send me. Let's pray and ask God to make us fishers of men. Father, we just pray collectively that you would make us fishers of men. Lord, it's so hard right now. We can't even talk to our neighbors, really. We, we have a hard time having conversation we can't mingle at church all these things that seem like they're restrictions Lord but God you still love people you're still wanting them to know you you're wanting to give us the joy of this little child (laughs) to celebrate a father's love Lord that's what you want Lord you died to make that possible Lord make us fishers of men May we want to see people to know you. And we want to see people cleansed. Do that for us, Lord, please. Change our hearts. Give us that passion. And Father, as we go to your table right now, Lord Jesus, as we in obedience to you, remember what you've done for us, that you are now with us, We're really partaking of you in some mysterious way. And that, Lord, you are coming for us. We're proclaiming your death until you come. Lord, as we do this, Lord, may we enter into some fresh fellowship with you. In Jesus' name. Let's partake together. Amen. Amen. It's good. It's good to draw close to God. We can do that because of Jesus. Amen. Amen. So I just want to encourage you guys here and you guys that are watching online, don't forget we have our Tuesday evening prayer meetings and we still have many house groups also on Zoom. For the prayer meetings, I'm bringing that up because don't forget, we want to be praying for your needs specifically. So you can send us an email, or if you get our weekly email, you can go on there, and you can fill out the form and send us uh, your prayer requests or your prayers reports. They can be, uh, you can put your name on it, or you can make it anonymous. It's the, the way it works. We won't know who has sent us this. But we really want to be praying, uh, we want to be praising God together, praying with you, and carrying your burdens with you, and us also uh, praying for the things that God's doing in the world. So if you can join us, 7.30 on Zoom Tuesdays, great. If you can't, send us your prayer request. We want to pray for you guys. Amen? And God bless you guys.